Um, so I have the great pleasure today to be joined in studio by Tian Albert, uh, a name with a very familiar ring to it in these Stellenbosch circles, uh, albeit for very, very different reasons. Um, Tian is the chairperson of Novamentis, uh, who is also pursuing his master's in law through the University of Stellenbosch, uh, and dare I add, a good friend of mine. Uh, Tian, you've had a very interesting time on campus, uh, a very difficult one, I'd even go as far as saying. Um, I think there's no doubt that you would have had more friends, uh, or at the very least fewer enemies, if you hadn't spoken out against, in the way that you did, uh, the campus political tones of our time. Um, from cancel culture, to rape culture, to identity politics and the works, uh, all topics that one cannot talk about without inviting a great deal of vitriol toward them, um, but topics that nonetheless require candid dialogue. Um, I, take it, I think it takes an extraordinarily brave individual to stand principally for or against something in the way that you have, even to the detriment of their own reputation and likability. Um, I think it's a very admirable thing to do, um, and for that you have really, really earned my respect. Um, it's a great pleasure to talk to you today, and it's very, very kind of you to avail yourself. Thank you, Pilar. Um, that's a very generous in introduction. Um, yeah, I think we'd have had a lot more friends, <laughs> but a lot less fun, mm. um, and probably wouldn't have been able to live with myself today, um, because the opportunity presented itself time, time and time again, mm to stand up for what I thought was, 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 was right. Um, yeah, and I mean, leaving campus, you realize, or I realize at least, that uh, all these conversations that saturate your life on campus don't really matter that much. Um, there's a life outside campus and campus politics, identity politics, uh, or at least campus identity politics. Identity politics is everywhere out there. Um, and yeah, it's a bit difficult to navigate sometimes. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that we have the platform at Nova Mentors to, to keep at least some of these conversations going mm. and also to, to, um, to make strides to, I think, a bit more important conversations than the ones that you kind of find on campuses. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just touched now on Nova Mentors, um, and I think we can just jump right into why you think a pro, pro, uh, sort of a platform of this nature, rather, uh, is important for you know, the permeation of the kind of dialogue that you would like to see. Well, I think there's a, a, young, a young generation or younger generations that need to have very specific conversations about plans for the future. And these conversations are not res less relevant to older generations, but um, the younger ones are the ones that will be implementing a lot of these plans and ideas. Mm. And the time is absolutely ripe to, to move on, I think, from a lot of the conversations that are being had at the moment um, and to speak about things that will be like... A lot less, a lot more relevant in the future. Yeah, uh, and uh, we need to prepare for this. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I think you know we've spoken a bit about you know conversations very, very abstractly. Um, yes. You know, to put it mildly. So I think we can expand a bit on that. You know, and talk a bit about the conversations that you think that we need to sort of be driving toward, not just for the present but for the future as well. Yeah. So I mean, to begin with. Um, uh, life today is more saturated by politics than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the church was in, in the Middle Ages. Uh, everything was permeated by, by the will and the tenets of the church. And I think we see that with politics today. Everything is very political, whether sports, education especially. Um, it's almost like you can't breathe without being swallowed by some kind of uh, political coup. Mm. So uh, these conversations are, they seem highly relevant, but they really are not. Um, 
I think we're seeing at the moment the decline of the nation state, the 20th century nation state. Um, I see, I see a, a very, uh, uh, un people are very unsatisfied increasingly by centralized systems that are trying to control our lives and to tell us how to think and how to do things and how to raise our children. Not that you and I have any children yet, thankfully. None that we know of, rather. Yeah, well, <laughs> speak for yourself. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think people are realizing that what we are, what we think of as taxes is, is legalized plunder. Um, and there's a great affinity to, uh, you know, uh, to solutions like Bitcoin. Mm. Uh, this is very important because the adaption is... A the adoption, rather, is, uh, excuse the pun, is, is increasing. Mm. Um, we see that people are taking a, a very strong stances against government intervention. Yeah. Uh, this idea that you have a centralized government that um, can make plans and, and plan the perfect society and transform people's lives and transform society is an anachronism. And yet we see politicians, even economists, uh, so-called economists, clinging to this idea. Mm. Um, we're moving away from that. Uh, we are, yeah, and we need to start realizing this. We need to start having conversations about how are we going to adapt to a new world driven by the fourth industrial revolution, amongst other things. We are not having these conversations at the moment. At the moment, we are having conversations, by and large, about political issues. It's a, it's, it's a complete distraction. And I hope, and I think, and I believe at Nova Mentors, we can really start touching on, on the important stuff. Mm. Um, so, I mean, j just to push back on that a little bit, um, you spoke about a decline of the nation state. Um, I think that could do with a bit of expansion, you know, just for the people who are listening. So, uh, there was a time at which uh, the, the uh, emergence of the nation states was the right thing at the time uh, to protect uh, citizens against uh, foreign governments um, and violence. Uh, violence, rather, um, violence uh, caused or... Um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, people. there was war in society and... The core function of government was to protect citizens against foreign governments. Now, uh, and people were happy to pay taxes for this. And uh, uh, yeah, so what what we've seen now is uh, the nation state, the twentieth century nation state, has eclipsed, uh, and it it has reached its its uh, its uh, maximum utility. Uh, and what is happening now, and we. Are seeing we see a very corrupt society. We see uh, governments becoming increasingly desperate in the way that they try to regulate our lives. And people are fed up with this uh, in general, I think. Uh, in modern democracies in the, uh, around the world, we see people are increasingly fed up with, with this. Um, we see a move away from globalism and, and big governments um, and people turning more back to their own communities and saying how can we create solutions for ourselves within our own communities without waiting for the government mm -hmm. uh, I think 
people are becoming increasingly disenchanted by this idea of of giving your giving half of your income to the government for them to essentially uh, do something with that money that you don't agree with mm. um, on a large scale. Uh, yes, so, so I think that's that kind of captures the captures the core of 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 what I mean by the decline of the nation state. Okay, I think that makes sense. Um, I think, um, you know, when you spoke about people's uh, sort of affinity for uh, Bitcoin um, as sort of a revolt against, uh, you know, centralized uh, money, uh, if, if you will, um, I think it ties in quite well with, you know, your solution of us looking to communities for our own kind of solutions and not waiting for some celestial governmental sort of organization to come with these solutions for us. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, but, but I mean, isn't that presupposing that, um, so, so, so rather, let me phrase it this way. Um, are you saying that the capitulation of the nation states um, is, 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 a, is a negative in and of itself, or is it something that ought to be strived toward, you know, again, and we, we had the nation states, and you quite rightly explained that they were there to sort of protect people from, or protect citizens from foreign governments. Um, do you think that we need more of that, or do we need less of it, you know, given the fact that we are an evolved society, um, the nation states were developed when, hum when mankind was in its more prior primordial stage, and now that we have progressed as a society, do you think we need more um, sort of nations, um, if you will, or do you think we need to free up our borders a lot more and sort of integrate one another uh, collectively? Um, I, th I don't think it's a, it's a matter of, 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 of will. I think the reality is is that the nation state, twentieth century nation state, is is um, is an anachronism, mm -hmm. uh, and we are moving away from it. It's 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 the reality, um, and it's, it's it's a cycle. It's a cycle of cycles of mankind. Um, I mean, we we saw that with the with the um, the fall of of the power of the Catholic Church in in the um, in the Middle Ages, uh, and the same thing is happening to to the world political order. Uh, it would I think it would be very unwise to to try and and counter that, mm. and of course government governments will counter that, and of course they'll tighten their grip on and regulate try to regulate um, uh, phenomena like Bitcoin because it threatens their very existence. Um, it's putting them out of jobs. It's, it's putting them out of, uh, out of power, essentially. So I think it's a very threatening prospect for, for governments. Um, yes, and it's something that we need to prepare for as, in, as individuals and communities. Uh, we need to prepare ourselves for a state-proof existence. Um, so, so what does that mean? State-proof existence means that, one, you don't rely on the state for anything, essentially. Uh, and two, is that you can protect yourself against the plunder of, of assets. Mm. But doesn't that border... Will certainly happen. Mm. But doesn't that border anarchy? No, no. Mm. It, it means that you are in keeping with the reality that is about to ensue. Right. Um, the South African state... As for as an example, uh, I can say with pretty high certainty, will fail. Uh, where where will you and I be when that happens? And, uh, how will we have protected our assets and secured our future? Uh, I think these are the conversations that we need to have. Um, for those of us that that are that want to stay in South Africa, how are we going to stay in the country without 
staying in the country financially. It's important to 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 discuss this, mm. um, and uh, one can be in denial and say, um, "No, uh, this is absolutely nonsense, and it is alarmist, and whatever uh, uh, you know label you want to put on it." But um, we need to prepare for a state-proof e- existence, and for those people who want to emigrate, well, it's not so easy to to emigrate and leave the country. Uh, it's a, it's a process, and and uh, it's a process for some people that can take ten years to get everything out. Um, we need to start having these discussions. Mm. Um, the most important discussion that I think we need to have um, in South Africa, and not necessarily as a society, because society is a very 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 wide term. Um, we don't have a singular society in South Africa. Correct. It's 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 a complete misnomer. Mm. Uh, we have societies, whether you want to uh, look at it through the lens of culture or, 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 or business or um, whatever ca- uh, cat- categorical um, <laughs> taxonomy or whatever you want to use, um, we have different societies with different interests in South Africa. Mm. But I think societies in South Africa need to start talking about values. Uh, what, which values are we choosing for our communities, for our churches, for our schools, universities, for our companies? Um, this is an extremely important discussion that needs to be had, and, and um, we need to start moving away from speaking about identity politics um, and, and race and gender, and we need to start talking about um, actual values um, that will secure our future and well-being in the future. Uh, yes, and because what we see, uh, Pilar, is that um, the media uh, and uh, I think big corporations um, have created this boilerplate value system for for, for our societies, um, and it's kind of it's kind of uh, in the bag for for everyone. It, you know, if you're going to have a company or a university, these are the values that you need to strive strive for. Uh, it's like words like inclusivity, diversity, come up. I mean, it's so commonplace. Um, it's you'd be very surprised if you find a company or some kind of university that don't have those two values. Um, it's not something that's being thought about a lot. It's just like, oh, we need values. Let's plug in the values that the boilerplate values that we generally see uh, because it's the acceptable thing to do. Um, it's complete nonsense. Um, we need to start thinking about our values and why do we have certain values? You get good values and bad values and I think that's something that I would like to get into in this conversation. Mm. But who is to decide that? Each society, whether it's a school or a university or a company or a or organization like Nova Mentors. Mm, but then how, how do you hold people accountable if each uh, sort of group of people has its own set of rules um, that, you know, if, if you transgress the, the rules that are set up by your community, it does not necessarily mean that you have transgressed the rules that have been set by another community. How then do we hold people accountable if we have a system in place that allows for the existence of multiple uh, sort of parallel laws, if you will, um, between people? It'll make the state ungovernable, don't you think? 
Uh, or, well, or, or does that tie in uh, with your capitulation of the nation state concept? Not necessarily. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say there's a system in place, a universal system in place. Um, why do we need to be hold a, held accountable by a central system? Uh, why can't we just have multiple societies um, with their own values that they um, hold close to heart, which isn't necessarily the same as the values of the organization next to you? Mm. And and the, if it's in, in, a, in a business setup, the free market or the, the end user can decide, hey, I like that company because they have these values. Um, what you can have is among societies, you can, you can agree to one or two, maybe three um, universal principles, like nonviolence, for instance, mm. um, and, and respect, um, a certain level of, level of respect for each other. Mm. Uh, but but yes. I mean, aren't those things uh, very uh, differently interpreted by different groups of people? So um, to respect me and my beliefs uh, might not or is not, not necessarily the same thing as you know respecting another person and their set of beliefs. I may think that it's perfectly within your right um, to be able to criticize what I believe, but the next person might not think so. And they may be a part of a community or a group of people that think that that kind of criticism is not allowed. So, so, so I guess what I'm saying is it makes it very difficult to have within um, uh, the, the borders that have already been formed um, a group of people that are governed entirely by wholly independent laws. Um, how then do you regulate? How, how, how do you hold people accountable um, if, for instance, they ad ad adhere to the rules of their own uh, sort of group of people um, but then transgress the rules of another group of people? It seems to me very, very difficult to do so. Well, that may be so. But what is the alternative? The alternative is that we have a centralized uh, power structure that superimposes its own ideology on everyone else. And you see the standardiza standardization of society. Mm. You see the standardization of the individual um, that needs to conform, if all individuals that have to conform to the norms and the values um, decided upon by a very small elite of people. Mm. Who, who makes laws in the country who are the people um creating these value systems for us that we are supposed to to incorporate into our own um our own value systems and those of our companies and schools and universities it's it's not people that are very representative representative of society um so the alternative is a lot more scarier to me than the idea that you'll have uh, maybe a bit of of um friction uh between different communities. Um, I, I mean, this idea of a unitary state um, where you keep people in line, um, and, and, and this is where the whole idea of unity comes from, and we, we can't have division in society, it, um, and politicians are divisive. Yes, it's inherently divisive. It's because people don't have the same opinions and beliefs. Yes. Um, spoiler, that is... <laughs> how the human race operates is people don't agree on stuff. Um, religions don't have the same tenets. Uh, churches don't have the same tenets. Uh, and certain c cultures don't uh, uh, subscribe to the norms that other cultures do. What, what is very worrying is that we see precisely this type of centralized these power structures that say we don't appreciate those differences. Uh, we want to standardize everything. Mm. We saw that in the Soviet Union, and I think it didn't work out that great for them. 
Um, so I think we, we need to have conversations about values. Mm. Um, and we need to, like, obviously, I, I believe there are good vali- values and bad values that are objectively good or objectively bad. Mm. But, but, but I mean, I, I can imagine somebody pushing back on that and saying, well, I- imagine a football game, for instance. So you've got uh, 11 players on each team. Um, and, and here you are saying that these players are allowed to sort of form their own rules and play the game according to their own rules. Um, that would just make the game unplayable, will it not? I mean, it, it's entirely necessary to have the referee who imposes um, a common set of rules among all of these players and then says that if you transgress these rules, you're perfectly mm-hmm. able and you, know, you, you should have all the rights to sort of um, you know, play according to your own rules. But insofar as your own rules transgress the creates a scheme of things, then I have the right to penalize you. That, I guess, in my sense, is the role of a government. Um, it's to provide a framework in place, a common framework in place that we can all agree on. Um, you know, That's, of course, up for discussion. But at least if we have a, a framework in place, then the free markets that you speak of are mm-hmm. possible. Um, because you know, free markets don't exist except within a reasonable framework. Um, so I, th- I think people usually make the... Um, mistake, in my opinion, of assuming that when proponents of the free market argue, they are arguing for a stateless society. That's actually not the case. Mm. Free markets don't exist except within an acceptable framework. Yes. So I think similarly, um, although I think I can tend to agree with the, uh, with the broader idea that you know, societies should be able to govern themselves, but I think there must be some sort of overarching sort of um, law that's put in place to ensure that even though you may not be transgressing your own societal beliefs, mm-hmm. but to the extent that you are transgressing the societal beliefs of another group of people, then surely something should be done. Yes, um, I do agree with you. I, I'm talking about values. Mm. Uh, values aren't, I, I won't equate them to, to peremptory laws. It's, it's, uh, the argument I'm making is that societies and organizations need to think very hard about their own values and be less eager to just incorporate the boilerplate value system or the standardized value system into their own um, organizations. Um, however, I will respond to what you said. Actually, I'll, I'll co-opt your own analogy. I think, yes, you have a soccer match and you have a referee, but government isn't satisfied with just, just that. They actually zoom out and say, oh, we have all these different sports mm-hmm. uh, with their own rules, but we don't want that. Uh, we want a society where we standardize sports in general. Uh, we can't have games with different rules. We need one game, one rules. And everyone must play that game. And that is what we're seeing at the moment. And that is what people are becoming very, very um, fed up with. Fed up with. Right. And that's why we see people um, you know, organizing themselves uh, in smaller groups. We see... We're going to see a lot smaller companies in in the future. Uh, We're going to see a lot more decentralization. And I think it's a great thing. Sure. Um, So, yeah, that that, that took me by surprise, uh, I must say. But, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, um, I think just to go back a bit to the analogy that we're using... um, to look at it just as a singular game that all people are playing, I think, is a bit of a misnomer, as you quite rightly pointed out. It's a series of games that are being played, and although all these games have their different sets of rules, we can agree on like two or three universal rules you know, by which all of these games must adhere, and then we should let them be able to exist. So I think that makes perfect sense you know, mm-hmm. in the zeitgeist that you and I are just talking about, yes. about having societies and individuals self-govern. 
mm. um, without the existence of um, an, an exclusive and uh, you know uh, you know monopolistic type uh, mm. government or organization in place imposing you know imposing a set of rules on people. Mm. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but you spoke um, before I interjected about um, you know good and bad laws, and I asked you who's to determine, and I think you quite rightly. Um, answer that question by saying that that is up to um, you know the the smaller groups of people um, that have sort of formed naturally. But doesn't that risk a form of tribalism? Is another question. Well, tribalism exists whether we like it or not. It's just a matter of how much it can be suppressed or not suppressed by mm-hmm. by um, uh, the way that we are being socialized in, in the school system, university system. Yeah, but I mean, you it know? doesn't seem to me that the way to solve tribalism is to uh, argue for more tribalism. Well, so let, let's let's look at it in, in a completely corporate sense. Sure. Um, you have a lot of different companies, mm-hmm. um, and there's a, there's a lot of competition between companies. Um, but a very important part of it, the value proposition of a company is actually what that company values mm. um, because that will that will actually radiate in t- into the into the products and into their interactions with with their actual customers mm. um, so we I think we've all been brainwashed to, to an extent to believe that um, the vision is a bad thing and uh, we must have uh, as much as possible concurrence among us in society think it's a very bad value um i think inclusivity is a extremely bad value in most cases diversity is an extremely bad value in most cases mm. um but it's being it's just in the bag you know it's mm. these are good things that we need to uh, strive to mm. but it, it's it's not yeah. and we need to start talking about why yeah i was actually about to ask you why very briefly Mm. um why do you think inclusivity and diversity can be uh, very bad values as you just pointed out because inclusivity makes people uh complacent about creativity uh inclusivity presupposes that we need one mat one type of sports that everyone needs to like so we go into the lowest common denominator, and we're going to find we're gonna essentially going to make a soup where we take out all the ingredients that people don't like until we only have water left. That's inclusivity. Um, inclusivity turns people into victims because walking in into, an, into an institution, or at least the value, not 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 the state of inclusivity, but striving to the value of inclusivity, explicitly turns people into victims. Because imagine walking into an institution where someone tells you, you'll probably feel excluded. Yes, you will, because what are the chances that everything is going to be happening in this space will appeal to you? Virtually zero. Um, so it's, it's, it makes people complacent about creativity. Um, it suppresses creativity. Uh, it's, it's not a very good value. And, and, and I mean... Uh, it presupposes that everyone always needs to be happy about everything. But what we'd rather need, and this is a good value in my opinion, is creativity. Creativity mm. is a very good value. Because where you have uh, like uh, utmost creativity, you can almost be guaranteed that there will be enough games to play so that everyone will find something that they like. We all We don't all 
have to do everything together together all the time. Mm. Um, that's stupid. Mm. So, so, so I think there's a terribly important term that you used um, that I think we should return to now. You said, um, you know, creativity is an important or is a good value in your opinion. Um, you know, your opinion presupposes that other people may have other opinions and that that's completely fine. But how then do we build a society um, you know, where people disagree on such things. So, for instance, you said that uh, inclusivity um, is like uh, having a soup and taking out all the ingredients that people don't like until you have water in there. Um, somebody might say, well, what, what's wrong with that? If everybody's having water, well, yeah, fine by me. Well, what is wrong with that is it's not an optimal solution for societies. Um, it's, it's not optimal in terms of how happy people will be. Mm. It's ho- how much meaning they'll find in life. Um, What's the difference between that and 20th century communism, where the individual was standardized by uh, big governments, mm. where, the, where it was said, like, that we don't want any nuance in, 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 in income and, and aspirations in life. Mm. You all have the same aspirations. You all, um, we all basically want you to do the same thing and earn the same income. Mm. So it's a suppression of creativity. It's no different than what we're seeing today principles of communism are being mapped onto social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, that, w- that is exactly what inclusivity t- denotes in 99% of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony is, if you don't emphasize inclusivity, if you actually uh, promote exclusivity in a sense, uh, and uh, given that there's also a second value involved that I really like, which is mutual respect, uh, you'll actually end up with a very inclusive society where people can be happy. Yeah. Because, um, so, so is that similar to um, Ayn Rand's um, Invisible Hand uh, sort, of, sort of concept, the uh, virtue of selfishness, her book that was called. So sh- she basically argued that we may, as a society, be adopting views um, that individually do not make sense but collectively do uh, and achieve the opposite of that. So, for instance, in the uh, virtue of selfishness, she argues that selfishness is a virtue. Obviously, that seems absurd. But, I mean, when iterated across uh, an entire country, what happens is the very selfish individuals are the ones that are providing food and shelter to the, to the rest of the populace. So I suppose it makes, you know, uh, it, it ties in quite well with what you're saying, which is that, you know, um, exclusivity itself might not be, um, you know, a desirable sort of value to adopt as an individual, but if iterated across, um, you know, a, a big enough scale, then it will achieve, um, you know, desires or outcomes that, uh, you know, all of us as a society desire. Um, but yes. I mean, I, th- I, I think we've touched on a bit um, very, very briefly. We didn't have enough time, but I think we've got through quite a bit. Um, but I, I do think that there are some points here that we'll have to flesh out in perhaps a second podcast um, yes. where we not only resume with uh, you know, the conversation that we're having now, but also just expand a bit on the kind of stuff that we um, you know, spoke about today. Um, so uh, you know, just, just a final thought. I take it that you think that young people um, are the people that are to take this vision forward. Um, what mechanisms do you think are in place or what vehicles do you think young people should be using to start having the kind of valuable conversations that you have just espoused? Okay. Um, first of all, not social media. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a cesspit of, of, of cancel culture mm-hmm. and um, making people very self-aware about their reputations. Reputation is, is a very toxic um, con- concept. Um, what people need to start caring about is character um, and so no, not social media. 
uh, I think what we need to do is we need to uh, we need to stop trying to and this, again I'm gonna sound con- contrarian here but we need to stop trying to be as diverse uh, strive to diversity in in, in solution seeking um, we need to look at at it in a community at a community basis and say uh, let's 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 don't try to solve the problems of the world here or the country um, let's tr- try to strengthen our community and by that we'll probably will probably be um, contagious in a sense. Uh, so we need to start start uh, from 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 the bottom up mm-hmm. and say we are an organisation. Uh, we don't agree with the boilerplate value system, or at least we haven't thought about it too much yet. Um, we as an organisation need to start thinking about what is actually important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to. I mean, podcasts are a great way to do it. Um, if you have a big company, for instance, and you want to reach a lot of people, um, I think we need to start do it with smaller groups. I mean, these conf- huge conferences, we have hundreds of people attending. It's not very productive. Mm. This, what you and I are doing at the moment, is very productive because we can proliferate these ideas um, because it's being broadcasted. So I think that's the way to go. And uh, th- thankfully, a, a lot of people are doing podcasts at the moment. Um, and it's a great way, I think, to 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 um, to spread spread ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll put I'll put a very important caveat on that: is that we need to stop caring about what people say about our ideas um, when it's done in a malicious way. Um, we need to we need to all grow a backbone and say. I don't care if, if Twitter cancels me or if I risk losing an opportunity, um, I'm going to stand up for what I believe and I'm going to reject the standardization of the individual, mm. whether it's by the media or the government or whichever force out there. Yeah. Um, and I think we're doing it right. I think we, we, or at least I think we're doing the right things. And I think there's a lot, lot of good things to come from this. Yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful note to end it on. Um, so I, I think just very briefly, there are some concepts that we just brazed over, we barely got time to expand on, um, that, that I really think need to be fleshed out on a, um, on a, on a longer podcast, um, lest we risk being uh, sort of, or our speech being misconstrued um, and being made to be something that it wasn't or that it clearly was not. Um, but yeah, I think that's a wonderful note to end it on. Um, and yeah, it's been a very productive conversation. Um, got to the points that we wanted to get to in a very short space of time, and I can do nothing but thank you for coming through today. Thank you, Pilar, and um, I really like what you're doing with, with Nocturnal Unwrap, yeah. and uh, I think myself and a lot of people are looking forward to what's, what's to come. Mm. Thanks so much for coming through, bro.